Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg breaking down college football from a different angle. It's the College Football Film Room Podcast. Coming inside the College Football Film Room, I'm Scott Seidenberg alongside veteran scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. And as different programs around the country are making uh, determinations about what's going to happen this fall, of course, schools are making announcements what's going to happen with their student bodies. You have places like Notre Dame that are announcing that they want to get kids on campus earlier so that they can get them out by Thanksgiving. An interesting announcement, Chris, from the University of Michigan, where they will not have sports if there's no students on campus. And I guess this follows suit with a lot of programs and a lot of schools around the country, but uh, rather contradictory to what we've been hearing from head coach Jim Harbaugh. Uh, boy, there was no ambiguity in uh, Michigan's president, Mark Shizzle's comment. Um, <laughs> said they won't have a football season unless the students are on campus. So he's going to have to either walk back that comment or just out and out eat it or, you know, he's going to stick to it. I mean, he, made, he even went so far as to say, look, it's a lot of money. You know, yeah, it's, you know, 107,000 people, but you know, our research and our, uh, and of course they, they are a big time research school and they're the, uh, the Michigan university medical uh, center. They, they make a lot, he, he, they make a lot of money. So I granted, he said, we're a multi-billion dollar business. You know, the sports, what we make on sports is a drop in the bucket. I mean, he went all in on, and again, look, who is Mark Chisel? He's, Got a degree from Cal. Prior to that, I got a degree from Brown. He's one of those um, presidents that, and, and look, I'm, this is not a criticism. This is just a, an assessment of what he is. He is a, this is a university, and athletics are important, but you know, this is a university first and foremost. It's going to be interesting because the Big Ten, you've got programs like Ohio State, Nebraska, Iowa that are going to be all in on, Hey, let's play football. That's the priority. Obviously Michigan may look a little different. Now, Jim Harbaugh certainly, I don't think shares his president's uh, opinion, but exactly how this is going to play out because right now we're getting to where each state is being able to open things up and people are you know, starting to bring, getting ready to bring students back and, uh, you know, players, student-athletes back. and be interesting to see what Michigan does. Now, if you follow the political part of it, Michigan's been a little bit of a – it's gotten a lot of criticism, at least from from the White House, as, you know, the the governor there. It's It's been very pro, stay-at-home, you know, type. So it you wonder what type of political forces are at stake. Is he speaking for – just the University of Michigan, or does he have kind of a, is that something that he's in uh, cahoots with the governor there, who's very, very pro, you know, again, let's be really careful about having people. It's going to be real interesting to see because most have said, look, we need to play. Don't know about fans. Uh, This is the first thing that's just gone completely in the opposite direction Mm-hmm. Outside of maybe some Ivy League schools that have just said, hey, it's just not that important. This is Michigan. And I'm curious to see 
something's got to give. They're either going to be, you know, say we're not going to do it and they're not going to play. Are we going to have that? Are we going to have a couple of schools in the Big Ten or in a given any given conference not play? Are we going to have that? Or are they going to come around and do it anyway and, and eat their words? I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. Yeah. Everyone's going to speculate, but speculation is fine. But this is all going to be rooted in a lot of political conversations, which um, – well, kind of nauseates me. So what's interesting is that the Big Ten is and the ACC are the only two conferences that have left it up to the individual institutions. The Pac-12, the SEC, and the Big 12 all made conference-wide statements and announcements that they would allow the return of student-athletes for voluntary workouts. So the Big Ten said, we're going to leave it up to our schools, and Michigan being one of those schools obviously has decided uh, a different course of action. Well, you know, I mean, have they, or, you know, was it just some kind of grandiose statement? I mean, he was pretty clear with what he said, Um, you know, but he also said something like, oh, I don't, I don't think we're going to have college uh, athletics anywhere in the fall. So he could just be one of these, you know, making these statements, you know, Yeah, 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 yeah. he has no, he has no flip and say, so what happens anywhere else? You know what I mean? You know, he, he's just, you know, in his ivory tower and his, has his view. And he may be one of these guys, and I've been around him, that are totally detached from the football concept. And maybe there will be political pressure that will cause him to change his mind. So I don't look at it as a definitive, absolutely count Michigan out. It very, may, very well may be that's what they do. But I don't think they've come to that decision. I think they're a little bit posturing at this point. But I do think it's interesting in how they deal with it as a conference. And you mentioned like the ACC. Well, I can tell you as this podcast drops on Wednesday, the 27th, Louisville, I think is going to be the first. Maybe there's someone else. They're beginning to phase in their athletes coming in. Mm. They're going to have like 30 coming in today on Wednesday. And then they're going to have, you know, so they're not, not, not for workouts, but like, I think assessments, yeah, uh, I guess like teaching, testing, you know, uh, uh, you know, make, and I, I think they're, I'm guessing to do 30 more and then 30, you know, so that it's a little bit more manageable group, I guess, for the health officials to, to do it and all that. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I think what a lot of uh, the conferences have said is, look, um, you're good to go as long as you meet your state requirements. We can't, we have no jurisdiction there. And so, hey, look, go and do what you got to do. Get ready. Um, but it's it's interesting. How Louisville is actually Kentucky is one of those states that they've been maybe, you know, some people have been critical of them. But they've been too, you know, too resistant to go out and, and get back. So, you know, who knows how they, there's going to be a lot of politics. And I'm talking about state run governmental politics that are going to factor into all of this. But there's also going to be the politics revolving around the conference because um, it's going to be a it's going to be it's going to start to affect the integrity of a season. The 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 more teams that don't play or can't play, Scott, it's going to affect the integrity of the season. I know, like people down south, ah, we don't care. We've got Pac-12. Well, you may not care. And there may not be a team out of the Pac-12 good enough to make the playoffs, but if you don't even have them playing, which that's not saying that's 
trending that way. In fact, it's trending the opposite. If there is any conference and where certain teams are not playing, let's say Michigan don't play. Well, I'm not saying that they're a big threat to go to the playoffs, but if they're not in it, 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 it just takes away something. It takes away key games on the schedule. Of course. It just takes it takes something away from it because I don't know that they're going to be the only one. How do you deal with the scheduling? I mean, how do you do? You know, so everybody that has Michigan on their schedule, they got an open date. Do they get mm-hmm. away? I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, there are a lot of issues that that I'm curious to see because um, I think that there needs to be more of a concerted effort to, I mean, not one conference make a decision for another conference, not for a conference offense. Office to make a decision for each school, but I think there needs to be some working together. But yet, on the other hand, if there's a couple of schools like Michigan that says, "You know what? It's important to us, but not that important. We make money other." Then I mean, I don't think it's going to stop Ohio State or some other places that say, "You know what? We re- it's it's maybe a higher priority for us in the need to play the games and make the money from it." are important enough for us that we're going forward with it. And I think you're going to see it. But, you know, so I'm not saying if if everybody can't play that nobody should play. On the contrary, I think anybody that can play and at least get something out of it, so be it. But we all know that the more teams we take out of it, the less leg- the less it legitimizes the season. Of course. And I know a lot of people want to bring up money too, but as as you've said in the past, you know, sure, the, the big programs make money, but there is a majority of college football programs that do not make money. So this isn't just uh, we got to get the football season because of all the millions and millions of dollars that it brings into every one of these schools. I mean, that's why conference money is so important to a lot of these institutions. Well, and, you know, here's the thing. A lot of schools don't make a profit, Scott. A lot of them, they all make money on football but they all lose money on the 18 other sports on yes. campus that don't make money with the exception of baseball and hockey in certain parts that can maybe break even. I think of the SEC, and I think the SEC is is the best baseball conference. Yep. I think 10 of the 14 make a profit in baseball. They make a profit in baseball. I mean, they can – pay their expenses and they don't have to dip into the kitty for uh, I would uh, probably the big 12 probably as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, but in base now, but you know, in hockey, you know, the big 10, I I don't know. I haven't done the research. I don't want to even, well, they have different conferences anyway, in hockey. They're not, they're, they're different, uh, different conference formations. I'm talking about the big 10 schools that play hockey, whether they break even or not. You know, that that's here that bottom line is if you don't have the revenue from football in any of these sports, if you don't have it at SMU or Memphis or Iowa State or any place, it, I mean, we're seeing it now. Look what's happening in the Mac. Every time I turn around, so and so's dropped track, so and so's dropped baseball, mm-hmm. so and so's dropped tennis and golf. If you don't if you don't have football in the Mac, just the money you make from there that helps to pay for other sports on campus. And that's relative what they make. I mean, they may draw 25, 30,000 fans a game. It's a little bit of money, but it pays, you know, a, a lot of their, their sports. Well, the, the schools that make a lot of money from football, they don't make a profit athletically because you, 
you lose all the money in the non-revenue sports. But now you take away the basketball tournament, so you don't have that check to fall on. Then you don't have a college football season if you if you choose not to play it. N- not many schools, maybe Michigan can as a university, but a lot of schools, you know, I, a lot of schools will be in trouble. Not just athletic departments, but schools, just like a lot of schools are going to be in trouble, you know, if they can't have students on campus because the enrollment, I mean, the cost to operating a, a, a campus is expensive. Oh, yeah. They're not on there. So you got a lot of issues there that everybody thinks that there's money hand over fist. But remember, there's built in anchors to an athletic department in college and that's the 18 sports on campus that lose money hand over fist and that without football you can't pay for it so what it does is make the meter go down even further and put you further in the hole which is why you're starting to see things wisconsin gary patterson at tcu you notice they're taking furloughs they're taking pay cuts you Uh know why uh they're protecting their staff because they're the the university's going to them like one's going to them look coach um I mean, you know, guy making five million a year takes a million out pick it. It saves administrative assistance, analysts on the staff. Well, you can't go to somebody making eighty thousand a year and and say we're going to cut your pay in half, but you can go to go to a head coach and say, hey, you can take top a million here, two million there. You know, they're willing to do it because it's it's either do that or we're going to have to cut your staff. And and when you see these coaches say. You know, they, they take a cut, and they're, they're a bunch of them, probably been about 20, 25. They're protecting members of their staff. Now, some of the big, rich schools, they don't even need to go that far. But some of them, even the schools that we talk about playing major bowl games every year, some of them are even going mean, to TCU's big-time program, Wisconsin's big-time program. Their head coaches are taking pay cuts, big haircuts right now to help their staff stay alive, their football staff stay alive. It's smart of them to do. We'll get back to the podcast in just a second, but our advertising partner, betonline.ag, premiered their special, The Final Dance, with roundtable interviews from ex-Chicago Bulls, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, Craig Hodges, and Ron Harper as they discuss ESPN's The Last Dance, Jordan Doc. Here's a clip from the series. MJ knew who he could talk to and knew who he had to push. He he was one of those guys who made you work harder because you see how he worked. So it made you work harder. And, and there were some guys who he was big on, but I didn't think it was in a way that it was harmful or bullying. Some interesting stuff right there. There's still plenty of fun to be had going to betonline.ag. Just use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Uh, Last week, Chris, we talked about some unsung quarterbacks returning for the 2020 season, and this week I wanted to focus on the unsung running backs. Now, we can get the top guys out of the way because those are the ones that everyone's going to talk about. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, probably a top two running back in the country, along with with Najee Harris of Alabama. Would those be your top two guys? Uh, Travis Atien of Clemson um, is probably at the very top, uh, along with uh, Chuda and Najee Harris. Uh, I, I would say Travis maybe even uh, – tops those guys but uh, i think those all three are outstanding and would certainly lead the list 
Okay, so let's now talk about the ones that really don't get uh, a lot of attention. Um, I want to throw a name at you and, and get your thoughts. Uh, on Tuesdays in the fall, I like to watch a little Maction, Chris. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys that stands out when I watch Maction is Jarrett Patterson of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that he's a guy that could actually be a very solid NFL prospect. Um, but he's someone I'm looking forward to watching during the week with some Buffalo Maction this year. Well, it was a good eye by you. He's a really good back, and this is a really well-conceived rushing attack that Buffalo has. They've got a good offensive line. They've had a good offensive line for a few years in that league, and they're leaning heavy on the running game. I mean, um, they run the football, you know, upwards of 50 times a game, 40, 50 times a game, and and Patterson's the anchor. I mean, he's a guy that had uh, 1,800 yards and 300-plus carries and scored 19, 20 times and almost six yards a clip. I mean, he had some big-time games. I know breaking down the tape against Bowling Green, my goodness, he just tore them up. He tore a lot of people up. He's a he's a good contact balance runner. Uh, I think he does have next-level ability. He's got to round out his game a little bit more. He's more featured in the running back role, and he's a guy that's an impact carry back, a guy that the more carries he gets, the more – he can have a positive effect on just wearing down opponents. A guy that won me a lot of money last year when I was betting on some of these games, Kenneth Gainwell of Memphis, Chris, who I believe last year was one of the top players in the country in terms of 15 plus yard runs. Yeah. You know, he's just outstanding. And of course they had Patrick Taylor was such a good player and he went down and this guy comes in they, they've done a really good job there for a while at Memphis for that program being so dormant for as long as it was to get it turned around. I thought Justin Fuente did a really good job, parlayed that into the Virginia Tech job. Mark Norvell's done a really good job and parlayed that into the Florida State job. They've recruited really good athletes in, in that area. Um, and Memphis gets some really good ones. Gainwell stepped in for Taylor and was outstanding. He's a kid from the state of Mississippi, and he had some big-time, you know, explosive plays. And he had um, he had like six or five or six consecutive games where he was above 100-yard rushings in the game. He had like 50, close to 1,500 yards, and he got a dozen uh, or so plus touchdowns. And he catches the ball well out of the back. We caught over 50 balls this past year for over 600 yards, and got in the end zone three or four times that way. So. Um, he, he's just an all purpose, big play guy that I think is, uh, going to be an outstanding player and kind of continue the heritage of, you know, unheralded players, unheralded backs in the country this year. Uh, how about Trey Sermon? Well, Trey Sermon is a really good back that I like his vision. I think he's got a uh, good strength on contact. I think he runs very hard. Um, and you know, I think he's got some versatility out of the backfield. I think he's going to be really good. Well, how much is he going to play? Because, you know, uh, what's the Ohio state backfield look like now, right? Then he, he, he transferred to, to Ohio state, right? Yeah. Um, you've got uh, a, a lot of good young backs, but remember they've had a few key injuries in the upper class. So I think he can come in and help them right away. And I think it's more of a one-year type move. 
But look, they've got two, three big time young backs that are freshmen that are going to be pushing him. And so he's going to have to play well. He's going to have to stay healthy. And the one thing is it's a double-edged sword. He didn't have much time with them in the spring. Neither did the young guy. So look, the fact that Trey's had a lot of experience, he can come in and I think has a chance to, to really um, do a good job of, of maybe taking over. So uh, I think it's a it's a pretty good group uh, of, of backs that they have, but I think he can have a, a real impact. How about the guy that took over for him when he went down with injury last year, Kennedy Brooks? Well, Kennedy is a really talented young guy. I think he's got a lot of ability that I think has got some ability to make plays in space. Um, I think he's a guy that's got a lot of ability to make you miss. I think he's got good hands, but I think he's a feature back, particularly playing in in the type of offense where they're going to get a lot of creases, I think he's going to be a really, really good player. So um, they obviously like him, and I think he's going to be um, someone that's going to make a lot of lot of plays. So I, I think he's really good. I thought, you know, last year, um, yards after contact was one of the best I saw in the country. Uh, sticking in the Big 12, a fun name to say here, Puka Williams. Yeah, Puka is a really underrated back. And, you know, you you watch Kansas play, and I know there's maybe not a lot of excitement, although they did play well in some games last year. This guy is one of the more explosive players. I mean, any time he touches the ball, he can go the distance. I mean, he's, you know, in 18 as a 2018 as a freshman, it was seven yards per carry. Uh, and then, you know, he's 5'8, he's 170 pounds. He's small. Uh but boy, he is a big time talent. So uh, he's another good one. A, a, a lot of it is obviously talked about um, with Judah Hubbard. But uh, this guy is a really, really talented back, um, and, and certainly an all conference type of back. And I'm curious to see what type of year he's going to have. Up north, we go to the Big Ten. Journey Brown at Penn State, Chris. Journey Brown is um, is to me um, coming off the 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 uh the uh season and the bowl season i thought he really started to kick it in high gear i think he's got um a lot of ability between the tackles i think he's got good change of direction he can make himself skinny in the hole i think he's got good burst onto the second level good explosiveness to get free um and i think he's got ability to improve uh, on uh, coming out of the backfield and be- becoming more of a uh, of a well-rounded back. He was a guy that's been more of a track guy that's really learned how to play football, and I think he's one of the very best. If you're looking at, you know, top, you know, six, eight backs in the country, I think he has enough ability to be in that mix. Hmm. Uh, let's stick in the state of Pennsylvania, and we'll go to uh, Philly where uh, Ramon Davis is going to be toting the ball for Temple. Ramon is a tough physical back, kind of fits the mold of the guy that they've had there. Good inside runner, but can get to the corner pretty pretty effectively. Um, uh, good downhill physical type of guy, though, that get good, uh, get good contact uh, after uh, – get good yards after contact is what I'm trying to say. Who, who else are we leaving out here? Some unsung running backs that don't get enough love here heading into 2020. Well, I, I tell you, a guy that I think is going to have a pr- productive year um, that I that I think you know people need to to remember and keep an eye out for 
um, you know, we can throw out the key guys that, that you know and we talk about. But I do think Rakeem Lloyd of Arkansas is someone that, you know, he's a kid that um, he comes from that, what's it called, Lance, uh, Last Chance You. I never watched the yeah, show. Yeah, the, the, junior the college Duco, kid. Yeah. yeah, junior college kid. He is a, really talented, and it's going to be a run-focused offense. Keep an eye on Raheem Boyd. I think Javian Hawkins of Louisville is a very underrated back. Um, I think is one of the more explosive guys. They've got an explosive receiver, explosive quarterback, and an explosive running back at Louisville. So keep an eye out for him. Max Borgi out of Washington State is very underrated, very versatile playmaker, uh, one of the best backs in the country, not just out on the West Coast. I do think Kylan Hill of Mississippi State is really good. Now, running out of this passing offense, I'm curious to see what Mike Leach will do with the, the uh, light box that they're going to have. I would hope that they run him very effectively because he's going to be a really good player and could be a really good runner. I think Brees Hall of Iowa State, a true freshman that was just outstanding that I love a lot. Uh, who else? C.J. Verdell of Oregon is very underrated, kind of in the mold of those uh, who, Oregon backs that uh, that are outstanding. Who's uh, um, uh, uh, Georgia? Um, z- something with a Z. What's uh, oh, the kid? Um, yeah, uh, Zamir White. Yes, Zamir is, White. Yes, a great, let me give you two guys: Zamir White of Georgia and Jerion Ely of Ole Miss. Jerion Ely was the highly recruited guy. He looks like J.K. Dobbins. Jerion Ely was a great baseball player, and he went to Ole Miss, and he's kind of focused. You put him, Lane Kiffin is going to be focused a lot. This this is an J.K. Dobbins lookalike type of guy. Zamir White of Georgia is really good. He takes over the primary role. He's ready for a breakout year. Um, speaking of Ooh, the I, Mac, I, I, go ahead, I got go ahead. I got another name for you. Um, Amari Jones from T- uh, Tulane. Uh, Amari Jones is a very versatile back that I think deserves a lot of mention. Very productive, and in that offense, he's going to get to the corner very effectively. I'm trying to think Charles Williams of UNLV is a very underrated back. Isaiah Spiller of A&M can be really good. Marshawn Lloyd of South Carolina has a chance to be pretty good. Um, Trying to see who else. Uh, Oh, uh, Bryant Kobach, speaking of Mac, Toledo. Another guy, if if Patterson's not the best back in the Mac, Kobach is. He's really, really good. you know, uh, there's a kid out of Wyoming, uh, Valade, um, Xavier Valade's really good one. Texas has got uh, B. John Robinson. Uh, Keontae, I think Keontae Ingram it, at Texas. Keontae Ingram, but I think B. John Robinson is even better. Uh, Eric Gray of Tennessee is really good. Um, you know, Kobe Lewis of Central Michigan's a pretty good back. So those are some other guys that I think um, are going to be be really you know, guys to keep an eye on and there are plenty more. So folks, they don't, don't get upset. 
<laughs> all of them, you know, but those are just some of them kind of come to my mind and I'll get off this podcast and think, can't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there is and a I'm lot, but say, you know what? I, can't I, I like, I like picking out these guys, Chris, because as we watch games on Saturday and, you know, obviously the big guys are going to be featured on all the, the sports center highlights and the Heisman odds, but there's guys, uh, several players that we've mentioned here on this podcast and several that we haven't that, are big time players. They're they're NFL caliber. They're guys that are you know light up the highlight reel on a Saturday. They're guys that lead their team to victory on Saturdays, and and definitely worth uh, worth shouting out and worth watching uh, each and every week. Absolutely. So we want to uh, highlight them. And what next week? Uh, what do we talk a little? Let's go to the divas. Or? Let's go to the wide receivers. The right. Receivers. Okay, great. We'll do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure none of them will get mad if we leave them off the list. <laughs> Yeah, they, they're really what? calm. <laughs> yeah, get exactly. excited or anything. Yeah. So, what can fans find on LandryFootball.com this week? So busy. Um, it was a big, big recruiting weekend over Memorial Day weekend. Big news got um, uh, Wisconsin got a uh, four-star tight end that we talked a lot about. Michigan got a, another four-star linebacker. Ohio State. Hey, news there. Another four-star there. They. They do that on a regular basis, but everybody, Georgia Tech, getting a couple of good quality players over the past week. We we cover everybody on, on the recruiting scene, the transfer news, uh, and then we we spend a lot of time focusing on well some of what we've just talked about. But because there's so many, we talk about maybe maybe some players that haven't done it yet, but like you know maybe a tight end out of Minnesota that I've uncovered that six seven two seventy. Yeah, he said six seven. 270 that is a backup tight end at University of Minnesota that I think can be a real player. Uh, just things like that that we uncover for you daily in our notebook, as well as what's going on and keeping very getting everybody, uh, you know, posted on kind of when everybody's coming back. It used to be, hey, you know, a little bit more film room uh, work on spring practice. Don't have that this year, but I thought it would, man, man, there's not going to be much information. I, it, I can't keep it. It's hard to keep up so much information. But in addition to that, our recruiting boards, our early NFL draft boards, uh, our roster breakdown. So in college football, the NFL. So we got all that for you at LandryFootball.com. So take advantage of it. It's a great opportunity to get involved with us. Uh, we think you'll absolutely love it. All right. Well, be sure to follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball. You can follow me at Scott's on Air and subscribe, rate, and review the college football film room wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll do it all again next week with our unsung wide receivers. Chris, stay safe, and everybody else out there, stay safe as well. Talk to you next week. Hey, look forward to it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.